the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. And um, welcome to the... To the uh, today's program, uh, excuse me, we've got some great guests as always and great to be together. Go to ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com to check out all of our great uh, guests and sign up for the daily email. And in a few moments, we will get an update from my friend Ted Malik, who's got a new piece over at American Greatness and a very sobering update from Todd Benzman at the border. He's with the Center for Immigration Studies down at the border. He'll tell us what's going on. Sobering, sobering. That's the word I'd use for it. So, uh, well, let me tell you a quick story that will set up today's what you need to know. I About five years ago, maybe six years ago, it came to my attention. I forget now how I was introduced uh, to the ambassador uh, to the United States from Hungary. His name is Dr. Laszlo Szabo, and he's a, a nice man. He's a, a, a doctor. Uh, I think he's a cardiac, uh, uh, maybe a thoracic surgeon. I don't know if it's cardiac, but he's a, a surgeon, nice wife, couple of kids, uh, really impressive guy. And he came uh, to a couple of the events that I hosted in St. Louis to speak about Hungary and to speak about what their public policies are as it relates to the family. Um, uh, the, um, you know, my organization, the Phyllis Life Legals, we do a lot of pro-family stuff. And so uh, we um, pro-family policies and pro-life policies. And so it was very, very interesting. He was a wonderful guest, a very good speaker and very impressive. And it was sort of my first exposure. Now, this is about five and a half years ago um, to Hungary and what was going on there. Um, Hungary is a nation of about 10 million people. So it's not too big, right? Uh, Poland has 40 million people, but Hungary has a great tradition, great history, a great culture, amazing culture. And so it's very wonderful. So anyway, we also then when Katalin Novak, who was the uh, minister of the family in uh, minister for the families, minister for families in the Hungarian government, she came to D.C. a couple times. I met her, met her. Then I was also in Verona uh, in Italy to be, speak at the World Congress on the Family. I saw her again there. So I've had some exposure to the people in Hungary and the policymakers, and they have very specific policies that they call pro-family. And they identify it happily, proudly. They say, we're going to have pro-family policies. Um, so they're not just pro-life. They are very pro-life, but pro-family. So, for example, if your family has four children, you don't pay income tax at all, period. In fact, I think if you have two children, it's a sliding scale. It starts to lessen. In other words, so they're incentivizing through the tax code to have children. They have other policies that have to do with young people working, uh, if they're going to get of a, a marriage age, incentives to marry. Uh, there's even an incentive that I've been told about that they incentivize the ownership of uh, multi now, those larger um, uh, vans for larger families. So they, they very intentionally go about incentivizing large families, incentivizing what I call pro-family, pro-marriage policies. And they do it very proudly, very proudly. So today I was um, 
uh, invited to, to see the foreign minister of the Hungarian government speak. And uh, so I did go. It was across town near the White House. It was a smaller crowd. It wasn't a big crowd. But the chance to see him, uh, see this uh, speaker, was uh, pretty wonderful. And his name, which I will butcher, butcher now, uh, his name is Peter Gisarto. Gisarto. Uh, I think I'm mispronouncing it, but he's the foreign minister. And very impressive, of course, at the top level of the Hungarian government, these folks are all, uh, all um, fluent in English and German and Russian and, of course, Hungarian. And so very impressive guy. But here's what you need to know. The two things that he said that I took away from it are, he said, the European is number one, what you need to know. The European Union is desperate to force its member nations to raise taxes. They believe that more government taxation, more more taxation, therefore more government revenue is in everybody's interest. And in Hungary, they have mostly a flat tax on individuals and also they have a flat tax on corporations. But as I just described to you, they use their um, marriage, they use their tax code to incentivize marriage and kids and other things. And the European Union doesn't like that. They want to make it so it's um, that there's more revenue coming in and they certainly don't want to let these Judeo-Christian values that they don't agree with uh, 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 be put into place. So the first thing that the foreign minister said was the European Union wants to force expansion of, of raising taxes. In fact, he, part of the reason he was in town was to say that they, he was joining other nations, Poland, America, a few others, in saying, hey, no, na- no international tax coordination. Don't try to make it so everybody does the same thing because it inevitably would be higher taxes. The second thing that he said with a big smile, he said, everybody recognized that when Trump came into office, America first was his mantra. And he said, we have no problem with that because we're Hungary first. And he went on to say that as America has flailed in the world. Now, I'm using that word. He mostly described policy decisions and things and the uh, Obama administration and all. He said it became it has become muddied the priorities of America. He, it became muddied the priorities and the effectiveness of America. Now, he did. He was a diplomat. He was diplomatic. He's the foreign minister, which is a, akin to our secretary of state. He was very careful how he said it. But again, the takeaway, what you need to know is. And oh, and, and the other thing he broadly said was everybody in the world sees this. He he said everybody sees the change in America. Everybody sees the European Union. He said most of Europe wants to push the nations to higher tax rates and higher, uh, you know, government revenue. They like that. They're, but so they're not resisting like he is Hungary and others. And he said, but especially as to the second one, which is America standing in the world, how it's perceived. Everybody sees it. Everybody sees it. And he said, it's, it's not a good thing for the world for America to be muddled. Now, again, I'm being much more point blank. I'm being, I'm, I'm describing what I heard him saying. He was much more diplomatic. Uh, But that was the takeaways. And I think you can see that. You can see it all over the world. And, you know, one of the aspects of the situation in Ukraine is that more I've been reading a biography of George Kennan and George Kennan, who was considered one of the you know leading lights in the 1940s and 50s on foreign policy, was in the State Department. I worked right in office next door to uh, Secretary of State George Marshall. Um, 
General Marshall and the Marshall Plan and all that. And Kennan was uh, clear from the 80s on. He was describing that we shouldn't be expanding uh, the NATO alliance into the uh, sphere of Russia and the Warsaw Pact because it's just going to lead to tension. And, and a lot of people, he said that, that the Hungarian basically said, however we got to this war, Ukraine versus Russia, he said, we need a ceasefire. We need a truce. We need it to stop. And he said, the sanctions on Russia that the world think is so great, he said, it's only penalizing the European economy. He said, Russia's got workarounds and the people that are honoring the sanctions like Hungary and others are just getting, uh, are, are getting the short end, are the ones that are penalized. And so he said, that's a failure. Again, I'm, I'm extrapolating a little bit more point blank than he said. He was more diplomatic, but that was the takeaway. And so what you need to know is the world sees what we all see and feel. The world and the world is impacted by our, you know, our leadership. There's an old phrase that Phyllis Schlafly used for uh, for uh, the military. She called it military superiority. She argued that military superiority should be the should be the principle, which means you're stronger and better, more capable than anyone. You're militarily superior. And when you do that, you're guaranteeing peace. The problem is we're not doing military superiority. We're doing military spending superiority and we're spending our money all over the world and dropping billions into the Ukraine and then not tracking the money. Military superiority is our military being superior. And I would just extend it. Cultural superiority, maybe just say national superiority. When America's Nate, when the nation is strong, then the world feels it too. And again, it's not, I guess the phrase isn't as good because cultural superiority, it sounds like we're saying we're better than them. That's not what we mean, what I mean. I mean that when we're strong, cultural strength, national strength, the world feels that. The world feels that. That's the difference. So what you need to know is the world sees what's happening and they're worried about it. They're worried about it. And it was very insightful to hear that from the Hungarian foreign minister. Very, very impressive uh, conversation. And I was uh, very pleased to be there. So I'll put that up on social media. We'll, uh, we'll uh, his speech, I think his speech will be posted sooner or later. We'll find out. Uh, and um, so we'll, we'll, um, I'll, I'll get it up there. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, Ted Malik, he's got a new column out of American Greatness. And Todd Benzman, a sobering, sobering view from the border from Todd Benzman. Uh, it gets... Sort of gets it gets depressing, gets depressing fast. All right, we'll take a break. We'll be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Time to check in with our old friend Ted Malik. And Ted's got a piece up over at AmericanGreatness.com. Spoiler alert. It's all a scam. <laughs> and uh, this is Ted Malik. And, uh, and the subtitle, this is war. We need to go on the offensive. It starts by describing the four corners of deceit, exposing them and actually taking them back. It's late, but it's never too late. So welcome back, Ted. How are you? Um, well, Ed, this uh, is uh, difficult news to hear, I think. Yeah. And so you referenced in here that Rush Limbaugh was the first to visualize and expose. Did he call them the four corners of deceit? He did, and not in print to my awareness, but in a couple of his wonderful radio broadcasts. Okay. Exactly that. So, uh, you know, give him the credit for the terminology. Yeah, yeah. So the four, so it's gotten much worse. Yeah, no, the four corners of the seat, as, as you refer to him, is government, academia, science, and the media. But you open the piece by saying, 
Um, every, everything these people tell you uh, that is true is the opposite of the truth. And you go through a long list, actually, of these things that are just totally untrue. Um, first, so but here's my biggest question. If I look at that and I think to myself, wow, all that stuff's not true. You know, the, the, the about the border, about inflation, about all these things. At a certain point, do people think that the American, I don't know, ideal, the American dream isn't true anymore? Yeah, and the, and the list is not exhaustive. I could right. add 50 things yeah. uh, just off the back of my, you know, crib sheet. Uh, I, I think that, the yes, about half of America maybe never believed in, but they certainly no longer believe in the American ideals. They don't believe in the American founding. They don't believe that America is a, is a beacon on a hill. They don't believe that America is exceptional. Frankly, and I would put our own president uh, reluctantly in this category, they have become anti-American. The um, We're talking Ted Malik, and again, his piece is over to American Greatness. Um, the uh, spoiler alert, it's all a scam. The other line, though, that is um, in, in here is in the subtitle, it's late but never too late. Um, feels like certain things are beyond repair. Like, Academia. Can you reform? Can you recover academia? Uh, only parts thereof. Uh, I, I don't want to be pessimistic. <laughs> at them, so, uh. <laughs> I guess that's right. You're trying to balance the telling the truth. But uh, this is a fairly Orwellian piece, you know, where the clock is striking 13. As I say, the farm animals know what's going on. They're so cynical. They're laughing all the way to the bank and the voting booth. Uh, and the public is like lemmings, just like a Thomas Hardy movie. Uh, they're like sheep, listless, unknowing, flinging themselves off the cliff one after the other. So with that kind of terminology, you might say, yeah, this is a uh, past tense. It's over. It's done. We, you know, we might as well just move on. And I am not one to retreat into some Benedict op- option. Well, I'm not suggesting that all of your viewers convert to becoming Amish and go live a sequestered way of life. So, uh, I'm not a romantic in that sense. Uh, I, 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 I think that that you know is not facing up to reality. It's a cop out. It's delusional. So we can't turn our backs, and we have to say, look, we live in an era of frauds, con men, and liars. Truth, beauty, and the good have been corrupted, forgotten. I think mostly lost. So we then go to this theory, which is a biblical theory, Old and New Testaments, of the remnant, and that's where we find ourselves. Uh, the one line in your list, your sort of a litany of uh, of what is the you know they tell you is true, and it's a it's a total uh, you know the opposite is actually truth. Like global warming is a hoax, you know they tell you that, and it's you know or, or well, but government is a form of manipulation with a two tier justice system that feels more real than ever before, right? Well, it does coming out of the Russia hoax. It it feels that way with the Democrat control. It feels the way with this uh, silly J six activity. I mean, Steve Bannon's trial begins today. I mean, if anything is a, you know, misnomer, that's it. And then they're going to go after our friend Peter Navarro as well. Uh, Yeah, so we have a two-tier justice system. But Paul Pelosi gets off. And um, so far as I know, Hunter Biden has not been indicted yet. Do you think when they were, if the Republicans win in the fall and you've been predicting this, do you think that they understand, again, the warning at the heart of your uh, column, which is, it's late and you have to go on the offensive. Do they really, do they realize that? Or do they think it's kind of, I mean, I watched um, 
Newt Gingrich gave a talk recently, maybe it was on Fox or somewhere. And I thought, you know, he's been around a long time now, 30 years, 40 years as a leader. And since he was speaker, which was, I don't know, 26 years ago, whatever. Um, but it, it sounded like everybody was playing politics as usual, as opposed to what you say, which is it's totally different moment. Yeah, I, f- I fear so. I, I wouldn't put Gingrich in that category, but there are a lot of rhino Republicans or, you know, people who just want to play the game, the system for themselves, who want to get up on the next rung of the ladder. I hope that we don't get uh, a Congress full of those people. I'm very hopeful that we can get some leadership that uh, would take seriously the place where we find ourselves, uh, which is why, thinking of my own grandfather here, I said that reformation has to start with vengeance and end in retribution. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I gave you some Gaelic there uh, to quote, which is very rare that you see Gaelic in print anywhere in the Western world. So, as I say, uh, get in, the, get in the mood. Yep. Do the brave heart music. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the. Uh, I did see that one. I like the brave heart reference. My sons will appreciate that. Uh, Ted Malik is our guest. Ted, in the book, in the column, you refer to especially your experience of having, and I, and I, we talked about it a couple of times in the last month or two. Your memoir, Davos, Aspen, and Yale, where you you really talk about how you were sort of behind the elite curtain um, after COVID. After the sort of success of COVID, um, after the success of creating a war and, and funding a war, although it's devastating the economies, um, are the globalists on the march? I mean, is that part of the story here? Yes, they, they haven't given up the ghost. I maybe prematurely uh, tried to convince people that they were dead and they're only dying. Um, but but we, need, we, we need to go on the offensive. This is, this is really my point. So hopefully people can hear this. Too many conservatives take this uh, defensive approach, do nothing, sit on your hands, go along. I think we describe those four corners of deceit, which mm-hmm. Rush warned us about. We expose them, and then we actually start taking them back. So maybe late, but, you know, my word is it's never too late. And then in researching this article, I must say I was moved. I was, I was reading um, about um, – a very dark moment, you know, in, in, at the beginning of World War II, when Churchill uh, beckoned Franklin Roosevelt to meet him uh, very early in 1941. I mean, it was on a battleship, British battleship, in the middle of the Atlantic, and they made an action plan. But it, it looked really dark. I mean, the formidable foe of Nazism was basically sweeping and going to take over. And it looked like they would be invading uh, the United Kingdom shortly. And they held this service, which is what I discovered, which I, I wasn't aware of before, on the deck of the uh, HMS Prince of Wales, uh, you know, off the shores of Newfoundland, hmm. the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. And Churchill himself chose the hymns. Hmm. And he had all of the military on that ship that day, that morning, early 1941, sing Onward Christian Soldiers. Hmm. And then he went on in a radio broadcast a few days later to explain his choice and i basically end this uh this piece which i don't mean to be a dark piece but there's a lot of darkness in it and i say can we do it again and the and the um it is powerful that's right in that and that you found that history um and i i I wish we could finish with that but i have i have one more question back to the on offense because what's offense look like 
when you have lost so the four corners of the seat, you know, academia, uh, I, I keep coming back to that. That's the one that it feels like that is totally lost. But, but even, you know, the media against us, I mean, you point out it's, it'd be nice to retreat into some Benedict option. Um, but that's not, that's not what we do, right? That's not the American way. That's not what's offense look like. I mean, what does offense look like besides a mindset shift? What does it look like? Is it look, do, are we going to, are we going to try Eric Holder finally for contempt of Congress like they're doing back? Are we going to or are we going to get in and be like, oh, boy, it sure would be nice to have a investigation of Hunter Biden's laptop over the next five years? Yeah, so uh, obviously the first thing is, as I say, describing how far we've come in this deceit. We expose the whole thing. Uh, Yeah. Does that mean congressional inquiries? Yes, it means it's got to mean far more than that. We have to go on the offensive. yeah, I'm willing to be secretary of offense. If it's necessary. <laughs> uh, and, and that means we actually have to indict people. We have to tell them the truth. We have to uh, make universities pay for their offenses. We have to basically take back science, too, where if you disagree now, as I say, you know, you're made into a kook or an insurrectionist. Mm-hmm. So we have to redescribe what is good, what is beautiful. Uh, we have to tell the truth again. Hmm. Uh, the, the column is spoiler alert. It's all a scam by Ted Malik. I'll put it up on social media. Uh, thanks, Ted, as always. And uh, we'll have you back soon. Well, wait, wait, what's coming next? You like to preview your stuff. Yeah, wait, well, wait. The, the next piece is a humorous piece because I, you know, I can't stand writing all this stuff. <laughs> uh-huh. Every philosophy every, every uh, week. So the next piece is called uh, Gavin's uh, All California Progressive Cabinet. I I not only go after Gavin, who's a complete uh, fake, but uh, I suggest who could be in that all progressive cabinet. It'll it'll make you really, really (laughs) want to go for the California model. All right. Very good. All right. Ted Malik, as always, thank you for uh, the time. We will uh, we'll put it all up on social media. We'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Time to check in with Todd Benzman, Senior National Security Fellow at the Center for Immigration Studies, our man at the border. Uh, Todd, welcome back. How are you? Good. Good to be here. Thank you. Uh, what's the status of the border this uh, this week? I, I will tell you that I have seen more coverage, Todd. I was thinking of you in the mainstream press. Front page, I think it was front page of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, had a piece on... Um, fentanyl and they referred to the fact that it came through the border and that woman died and she had three young children from overdose of fentanyl and her father who was a retired cop said it's the fentanyl that did it it's coming through our border it has to stop and i thought huh if people start to pick up what's going on here this could make a difference but anyway what's happening at the border uh well yes i agree obviously that uh you know there there is episodic coverage uh, the New York Times, the Washington Post, they parachute in every once in a while and they'll do a big story because you just can't avoid this. Uh, even even if you are reluctant to put out material that might be damaging to the Biden administration, this can't be ignored. It can't be avoided. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But uh, what's, what's happening now is, uh, well, the latest turn of the screw, I guess, is that the June numbers have just been released for apprehensions 
which showed a 14% decline. This is going to be a seasonal decline to 192,000 apprehensions, uh, but still just historically massive, huge, which just tells us that the new norm, which even with seasonal changes and ebbs and flows, is still far beyond anything in the American experience, as I've been saying, 192,000. And in the month of June, the Biden administration released into the country 80,000 of those wow. in a single one-month period, 80,000. Hmm. Uh, the month before, it was a similar number, and it goes on and on. They're still just paroling very quickly within a couple of days, border crossers into the country by the tens of thousands a week. Uh, so that that is a very disturbing uh, development, an ongoing continual development by the administration, uh, which which will only lead to more uh, illegal immigration because the rest of the world is now uh, onto this. They've been onto this for a while. And there's two other developments that I should mention. Yeah that portend a really huge wave coming uh, that, that, that should even, um, you know, dwarf what we've seen so far. And one of these is, you know, we always hear the administration talk about safe, uh, humane, and orderly migration. That's their strategy. They use those three words, safe, humane, orderly. Right. Uh, for, that's their man. That's their border management strategy, and they've actually followed through on that. Now they just concluded a deal with Mexico, which had been holding back the tide in three and four month increments, and then letting everybody go in small dribs and drabs until they all got to the border. But now they're not even pretending. They don't have to pretend to do that. They're handing out seven day Mexican visas to everybody, thousands every day, crossing into Mexico from Guatemala uh, in order to just get themselves to the American border very quickly. They have seven days to do it. So the, the number of days that they've given for these visas are uh, calculated to hurry up people from the southern Mexico border to the northern border with us. And then the other thing that they did was they, the administration cut a deal with Panama to ease the terrible 10-day Darien Gap track that has been written about, uh, lots of attention to that in the New York Times and elsewhere, to make it a two-day trip uh, by uh, uh, having the Panamanian Navy back off its ships and let migrant smuggling boats land at a closer point hmm. so that the, the trip is now a, an easy two day trip uh, and much safer. And that will entice far more people to come through that than would have done the 10 day terrible trip, long trip. So between what the administration did in Panama and what they did in Mexico, they have realized the safe, orderly and humane uh, migration management plan. 
So we should be seeing, you know, this is just now a super highway, unobstructed one-way super highway from the entire world to our border. And man, they are coming. I was on the phone with somebody who lives in the Darien Gap yesterday in the Darien area who said like yesterday, you know, 1,500 came through this one small town in a single day. Uh, so that is, you know, we are going to be seeing just this massive surge, in my opinion. Uh, um, we're talking with uh, Todd Benzman, uh, everybody. And Todd Benzman, of course, is over the Center for Immigration Studies, Senior National Security Fellow. And um, Todd, uh, again, I know I do this to you all the time. And by the way, Todd's book is called America's Covert Border War, his last book. He's working on another book, uh, he's told me. But I, I know I ask you every time, but... I mean, that sounds as bad as it's been. I mean, what you just laid out is, is as bad as it's been, meaning it's uncontrolled, it's not manageable, it's, it's too much. And my question, again, as always, is, is anybody reacting to it? I mean, it, I thought in the summer, I thought it gets so darn hot that it slows down a bit. I mean, I, I, because people die in the desert and they realize, well, we can't, we'll try to go at night, but at night's only... 10 hours, 11 hours long, um, but it's not. And so is anybody catching wind of this? Is this, a, I, I haven't seen a lick of coverage other than talking to you. No, I mean, it, it, ha- it did slow down a little bit for July, but, you know, it went from the, the, the highest record in American history for June, uh, I'm sorry, for May, you know, it, it was like 220,000. We've never seen a number like that in American history uh, in a single month. And so it fell from that to about 192, 192. So it fell a little bit, but it fell in levels that are like at historic heights. Like the new normal is like in the 200,000 a month range. Whereas like, you know, once upon a time, not that long ago, it was like, you know, 30,000, 20,000 a month. Seemed like that was still pretty high. Uh, so we're just in this. Now, I mean, really what, what, what is unusual here, and I think, I think that history will bear me out on this, is that no prior White House has ever taken a, an approach like this to border all, even Democrats, Obama, Clinton, all the way back, deter. They want to stop. They want the numbers to go down. They're, they, they, they all want the numbers to go down. But this administration wants the numbers to go up. Mm-hmm. They are good. They are good with this, and that that is a really see, that's a a major sea change in American governance. Uh, I, I can't. Yeah, really emphasize that enough. It's really different. Uh, something completely out of the ordinary for any country, really anywhere in the world. The uh, Todd Bensman is our guest, uh, Center for Immigration Studies. Um, it, it, you mentioned we've talked before about the border states trying to step up and do something, you know, that uh, Governor Abbott in Texas, where you are, but even over in, in other border states. Um, and obviously, California is not going to do much because Governor Newsom is over there. But is there any um, is, there, is that because is that a factor? And uh, is that something that you're seeing possibilities? You know, Governor Abbott is, uh, you know, he, he is being innovative. I mean, you got to give him that. He's trying 
all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Nothing is working, really. Nothing is really stemming the tide. They are still just crossing over by the thousands in Texas every day. And he's doing, uh, you know, he's, he's trying to manage it from a state level. But ultimately, what that tells us is that this is always going to be a White House lever, a White House uh, authority uh, over the illegal immigration part. The Texas Department of Public Safety and the governor are doing other things that are very helpful. For example, you know, they've got troopers surged all over that border and they're able to, you know, hunt down drug traffickers and catch drug loads. And they've got choppers up in the air that are helping to, you know, locate, uh, you know, runners and and gotaways and at least, you know, at least, you know, prosecute alien smugglers and trespassers. And they're doing some things that would not be getting done at all because border patrol, what people don't understand is that a typical border patrol agent in Texas spends their entire shifts in processing facilities. Remember those 80,000 I told you that yeah, yeah. we let in? Well, somebody has to do the paperwork for those hmm. 80,000, and they're off the line. There's nobody out there. It's un- undefended except for Texas DPS. So, I hmm. mean, I wouldn't say it's useless, but they're not able to stop the illegal immigration. Hmm. Boy, Todd, I wish somebody would give you the, the biggest megaphone they could and, and uh, get more coverage on it. Todd Benzman, everybody, Center for Immigration Studies, uh, CIS.org. You can go there. And his book, again, of course, uh, is called America's Covert uh, Border War. Uh, thank you, Todd, as always. And uh, we'll talk again very soon. And uh, I, I mean, I, I, I get depressed when I talk to you, but I mean, you're only saying what's happening. I, I just, the, 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 the yeah, so that, sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I mean, but I just, I get even more depressed when I realize that nobody's covering it. I mean, we're, we're, we're we have the Florida, a uh, uh, gavel to gavel. It's the wrong. Yeah. Gavel to gavel coverage of the uh, Steve Bannon trial. And th- that's interesting. And it's wrong. I mean, it's crazy, but uh, meanwhile that we're being invaded. So um, uh, Todd Ben's been everybody. I got to run Todd. Todd Benzman. I will put up on social media, all the links to his stuff uh, and we'll take a break and be right back. Ed Martin here on the pro America report back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly report, a daily broadcast from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. And we're upholding the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly grassroots activist, author of 27 books and articulate voice for traditional values for more than 70 years. And now from the archives of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, here is Phyllis Schlafly. If your child is not a good reader, chances are he is not stupid or afflicted with some brain disability. It's much more likely that your child was never properly taught how to read. The failure to teach school children how to read in the first grade means that they fall farther behind with each passing year and soon become bored and resentful of school. By the time they get to the fourth grade, American students are scoring well below children of many other nations. Phonics is the tried-and-true method of sounding out syllables so students can read big words. Common Core instead uses what is called the sight or whole word method. 
That means students are taught to memorize a few dozen frequently used words, mostly one-syllable words, guess at other words, and predict the content of the article from pictures on the page. If children do not catch on to this system, parents are falsely told that their children were born with a disability called dyslexia. Students who become disorderly are given drugs to curb the problem. Unfortunately, the new system called Common Core does not teach children to read by phonics. The best way parents can deal with this is to teach your child how to read before you put him in school, as I did for my six children and grandchildren. You can teach your child to read at home with a good phonics book, such as my First Reader. I suggest three 20-minute sessions every day for six months. You will be amazed at the result. Washington bureaucrats need to stop trying to mess with a system that works and allow teachers again to use the phonics method that was so successful for so many years. The only thing worse than using a bad method in school is making a bad method mandatory for all schools across the country, and that's exactly what Common Core is doing. Parents and grandparents, jumpstart the education of that child you love so much with a proven phonics course. With TurboReader, anyone at any age can learn to read. For free information on Phyllis Schlafly's TurboReader, call toll-free 1-866-TRY-TURBO. Open the door to a lifetime of reading and self-motivation. Call 1-866-TRY-TURBO. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. And hey, um, it is time. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to talk with a guest um, who is his. He is a, a documentary um, filmmaker as well as an author. And he has been around for a while and uh, and he has done a bunch. He did something back with Obama. Um, I remember that actually pretty well. His name is Joel Gilbert. Joel Gilbert. He's did something on Obama. He's done some things on Trump. He's a conservative documentary filmmaker and a pretty a, a character, if I can say. I've read his stuff. I've seen him. Well, he's got a new one out documentary and book, and it's called Michelle Obama 2024. Her Real Life Story and Plan for Power. Uh, the book is that. And the documentary is Michelle Obama 2024. If you go to MichelleObama24.com, you can see all about it. Anyway, we're on tomorrow. It does bring me to the point. <clears throat> the joke is over, right? The word is out. It's pretty clear. You know, Jimmy Fallon made fun of Joe Biden on Monday night, I think it was, uh, this week. He said, um, Dr. Fauci announced that he's going to retire. And, uh, America, you know, most Americans are waiting for Joe Biden to say the same thing. Well, look, once you have back-to-back stories in the New York Times two weeks ago saying that uh, uh, Biden's age is a problem, then you have Politico describing a million-dollar-plus buy advertising by by a progressive group to try to push Biden to not run. And you have Gavin Newsom basically pushing his way to the front of the national debate by taking on Ron DeSantis by name. You don't have to go very far to understand that Joe Biden sees the writing on the wall. Now, I have an observation for you that you have to take to the bank. And that is power changes people. 
elected officials, especially when they get in power, it, it can have a real effect on their um, psyche. And by that, I mean, they not, not, not only do they have more confidence and all, but they don't see as easily what's going on outside and they're insulated in lots and lots of ways. And let me say this, even when they're healthy, even when they're young. And so Joe Biden won for president when everybody said, oh, yeah, you ran twice before in the 80s and 2008 and you washed out and you're too old and you're not smart enough and you're not this and that. He won. And he's now going to be told by the same people that backed him that now you have to step aside. I don't think so. I don't think he's going to take that lightly. And there will be enough people around him that enjoy the proximity to uh, to power that they will, I think, he will fight to stay in that race. And he will say, look, if you push me out, you're going to get, you're not going to be able to push uh, Kamala Harris out. She's going to want to run. He's going to say it's her turn. You're going to end up with a free for all where you have to beat the first African American woman vice president. You have to push her out of the way. And so I think he'll make the argument. I think he'll fight to stay. But if he doesn't, I think Hillary's going to want to run. I think you'll see lots of others. Buttigieg will want to run. And the question will be, we'll talk with uh, Joel Gilbert tomorrow. Is it possible that Michelle Obama runs? Maybe. I mean, maybe she's been vetted at the highest level. She's been through the ringer. Maybe. All right. Thank you, as always, to our great Noah Dingley, our producer, Joanna Spilger, associate producer. Thank you for listening. I'll be back tomorrow. I'm Ed Martin. It's the Pro-America Report. Talk to you then. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs>